Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. thankful that he met us here today that he responded to our praise and to our worship thank you Jesus can't say enough how much of an honor it is to be here give honor to your pastor and the first lady the Harveys appreciate and love them thankful for the Apiatas 
and their labor. What a wonderful conference we had. We thank God for all the souls that have been delivered, saved, set free, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. We give you the glory to this great and wonderful youth committee. Thank you for your labor and your hard work. To all the leadership here, all the pastors and laborers and servers, God bless you. Amen. Let's get into the word of the Lord, Matthew 9, chapter 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. Everybody say they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Verse 37, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers, say the laborers, are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. If you don't mind, I'm going to read it into, in the New Living Translation. I really like the way that it, 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 it states it in verse 38. says, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. <laughs> I like that. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers, watch this, into his field. First and foremost, this is his harvest. This is his field. And guess what, church? We are the laborers. Look at your neighbor and say, we are the laborers. With the help of the Lord, I just want to preach that for a few moments today. We are the laborers. Before you're seated, can you lay your Bibles down? One more time, can you stretch your hands and just thank the Lord for his faithfulness. Thank him for his word. Thank him for the opportunity to be in his house. Let's just worship him for a moment. Before you see it, can you clap your hands thunderously before the Lord? Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. We are the laborers. If you read throughout the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus' ministry focus was all about people. Everywhere Jesus went, he was either looking for, surrounded by, or dealing with people. Everybody say people. Jesus was discipling, healing, restoring, and saving people. There were young people, middle-aged people, elderly people, sick, rich, and poor people, blind and incapacitated people, demon-possessed people, people from broken homes, people who may have seemingly had no purpose, and even now to this day, Jesus is still healing. He's still saving. He's still looking for and dealing with people. Aren't you glad that you are a part of that equation, that he's still dealing with us? He's still saving us. He's still healing us, his people. Because God's mission has and always will be 
to rob hell, and to populate heaven. That is God's mission here for the earth. God wants every single person in this world to have an opportunity to be saved. And if you ask me why this morning, I'll tell you. It's because God said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You want to know why the enemy has been unsuccessful after all of his attempts to destroy you? It's because God is not willing to spare you. He said, I'm not willing to spare one. He said, I want to draw everybody to me because I want them to have an opportunity to spend eternity with me. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So here's your opportunity. If you have not experienced the new birth, you can today. Because it's God's mission that you and I be saved. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come to tell somebody, it doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter where you've been. God is not willing to spare you. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should come to repentance. And it's this mission that Jesus was so adamant on preparing his, his disciples for. He spent his ministry training these disciples to preach this message to the world. After spending three years discipling a group of young people, Jesus gives them instructions. Matthew 4, 19, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You know that this gospel is for everybody. It's not just for one race or one creed, but it's for everybody. And if you look around you today, this is what heaven's going to look like because this message is for everybody. Every nation, every tongue, it's for everybody. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I love this part, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus was giving the disciples the instructions to carry out a heavenly mandate to go and make disciples. This was and still is the Great Commission. And we see the fulfillment of this text in Acts chapter 2. We can all quote this verse, Acts chapter 2 and 38. And this was Jesus giving uh, these men an orientation, if you will, uh, for the fulfillment of this mission. And it was people. Everybody say people. It has always been about people. And so we read in our text that Jesus said, the harvest truly is plenteous. And if you look up the word plenteous, you'll find its definition is existing in or yielding great quantities in abundance. In other words, that means that there's a whole lot of it and more where it's come from. There's over 7 billion people in this world. There's a whole lot of us and more where it's come from. I'm telling you today, God doesn't want anybody to, to go to hell. God doesn't want anybody to not be saved. But God has given you and I this gospel message to take it to the world so that somebody, amen, can hear this message and know that there's a God that wants them. So I submit to you today, there is nothing wrong with the harvest. 
Can I say it again? There is nothing wrong with the harvest. The Bible says it is. It's, it's ready. It's plenteous. It's good. It's ready for somebody to go and knock on their door and say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Can I continue with this and tell you that this means our cities, our communities, our neighbors, our unsaved loved ones, they are the harvest. Our family, they are the harvest. Those that we've been reaching to on our workplaces and at school, they are the harvest. But Brother Wiki, there is one common denominator. Pastor Ben, there is one common denominator. The laborers are few. Can I say it again until somebody catches a burden? The laborers are few. I pastor in a city of over 30,000 people. In the neighboring towns, which are about 10 minutes radius of, 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 of driving, there's just about 10 minutes of one, two, three cities with an accumulation of 58,000 people with only two apostolic churches in that vicinity. We need laborers. In this city, we need laborers. There's not enough of us. I said there's not enough of us. We need somebody to catch the burden and the vision. It doesn't matter how young you are. You can be a laborer. It don't matter how old you are. You can be a laborer. There's not enough of us. There's not enough people saved. We're too small. God wants us to grow. We need laborers. Quoted this scripture last night. I want to quote it again. I just feel like I've been in the vein this week. We've been talking about some of the same things. And God won't let me, let me go. He won't turn me loose from this burden. If we didn't catch it yesterday, we're going to catch it today. Is that all right? Bible says in Acts chapter 8, uh, 2 verse 17, that it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I shall pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. This means that it's inevitable. It has to happen. It's inevitable. It has to happen. So while you've been praying for restoration, and while you've been praying for revelation, and while you've been praying for deliverance, I've come to declare this morning that God has already given your city, your community, your family, your world, everything it needs for revival. And it is you. It is me. Because we are the laborers. Somebody give God a shout of praise this morning. I'm reminded of a story about a man named Jonah. Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And in verse 2 if you read that you'll find that the first thing that God said to Jonah was to get up and go. He told him get up and go. He didn't say good morning Jonah. Would you like to go to tea with me today? He said no. Get up and go. There's no conversation. There's only a burden for a city that's lost. Get up and go. There's only a, a, a people a people that, that are hungry for the word of God. So you got to get up and go to Nineveh. And Nineveh wasn't a place that Jonah wanted to go. 
It wasn't a place that Jonah necessarily wanted to reside in. As a matter of fact, if you read, you'll find that Jonah didn't like the people. Ain't that something? You're a preacher, you don't like the people. Nineveh was a wicked place. And God had plans to destroy it. But God had one more act of mercy before doing so. So God called Jonah. <laughs> he had one more act of mercy on a city that had over 120,000 people. So he called one man. There's somebody in this room. I know this is a youth conference, but I'm talking to a I'm talking to a parent. I'm talking to an individual. I'm talking to somebody that God's been knocking on your heart. He's been reaching you. He's been shaking you. And pastor's vision for this city is to have 30 churches. Well, how he's going to do that? We need laborers. Huh? How are we going to do it? POS, laborers. God's raising up some people in this house under the sound of my voice. Come on, there's Bible study teachers. You've already been doing it. God's been calling you to something. And God is raising up laborers. This was Jonah's response to God. It wasn't verbal, y'all. It was actionary. Jonah, man, he got ghost, and he ran up out of there. Bible says that Jonah got up and ran from God. How many, mo how many know today that God doesn't give up that easy? He doesn't give up on us that easy. He doesn't just... Take our responses and our no's and our, and our, 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 our times where we neglect his, his voice. And he doesn't say, well, I've canceled you. He's not like the world. Oh, well, you're not, you're no good. He's not like the people in your life. Hello, somebody. He's not going to cut you off. He's going to chase after you. The Bible says that the spirit draws. So if you... <laughs> If you found yourself in a Jonah-like situation, just know that God has drawn you. That's why I'm here today. God brought me all the way from America to tell somebody that he's drawing you. He's reaching for you. He's not giving up on you. This is what happens. The Bible says that when Jonah flees the presence of the Lord, he finds a ship heading to Joppa, heading from Joppa to Tarshish. Scripture says that he paid a fare. Because running from God will always cost you something. You might run for a while, but you're going to pay for it. And what you lose is not worth it. Hello, somebody? You might as well just say yes to God when he's calling you. Because the Bible says that in verse 4, the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. The storm got so bad that the people on board thought it was going to tear the ship apart. The Bible says that the men on board began to call out to their gods. I want you to catch this for a moment, church. They began to call out to their gods. Hmm. And when they found Jonah sleeping inside the boat, they began questioning him, asking him, bro, why aren't you praying to your God? What is going on with you? After a while, they figure out that Jonah was the, he was the reason for the storm. They probably wanted to beat him up. I would have wanted to beat him up. Bro, what are you doing? Why are you running from God? And, and we're paying for it. 
after they received the revelation that it was God who caused the storm. <laughs> I, I hope y'all catch this today. It was God that caused the storm. They began abandoning what wasn't working. Nobody caught it yet. I'm trying to take my time because I want somebody to see this. Once they found out that God was the God of the storm, whoo, glory, and they got a revelation of who he was, they stopped cutting themselves because that's what they were doing to get their God's attention. But they realized that it wasn't working. My God, hallelujah. They realized what they tried wasn't working. They realized what they were doing wasn't working. And they began to call on the name of the Lord because he was the God of the storm. And they realized if you're the God of the storm, then you're the God of my salvation. You can save me. They begin worshiping and calling on God. And the Bible says that they begin to make vows to God. Why? Because the harvest is ready. <laughs> they were looking for something real. They tried alcohol. It didn't work. They tried relationships. It didn't work. They tried their career. It didn't work. Even in the backslidden state, God used Jonah to stir up revival in the middle of a storm. Jonah was backslidden. He was running from God. Oh, my goodness. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. This is evidence that even when you're not living right, just hear me today. I'm not giving you a, 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 a license to sin. I just want to show you what, how big God is and how important people are to him. Even when you're not living for God and you're backslidden or whatever your situation is, you can be hanging out at, at a party or something and you can just strike a conversation about God and that you don't have any idea that that person that might be drinking and might be living crazy, they might be saying, oh, man, I, man I'm, I'm trying to get some things together. I, don't, I just don't have the answers. And maybe that backslider could say, you know what, man, I, I used to go to an apostolic church where, 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 where I was baptized in Jesus' name and God changed my life and hey, I know I walked away for a little while, but hey, what I received is real. I've seen it happen before. I said, I've seen it happen before. We had a young man who was a backslider at our church. He went, same scenario, went to a party. And he left that party after he was drinking and partying. He left it sober because somebody in that place got the Holy Ghost when he began to minister to him, even in a backslidden state. Come on, somebody. Because it's not about us. It's about his kingdom. It's about say. It's about souls. And God says, I will step out of my uncomfortable place. And I'll let somebody know that even though you're not living right, I'm still wanting to use you because I'm trying to draw. I'm trying to draw you back into the fold. And the enemy will like you to think, church, that your friends don't want to hear nothing about God. The enemy will like you to believe that society has closed its doors on God. You want to know why? Because the news is loud. Those who are talking against God, they're loud, but they're not many. They're few. There are more hungry people than there are people that are trying to shut the doors of the church. Can I tell you today, the world is hungry for God. The harvest is ready. Look at your neighbor and say, the harvest is ready. 
The harvest is just waiting on somebody to answer the call of God. Somebody with a burden to fulfill the will of God in their life. Is there anybody in the room that hears what I'm talking about today? Can you respond by lifting your hands and worshiping the Lord and say, God, I'll respond to your will and to your word. Come on, lift your voice in the room. Come on, lift your voice, lift your voice. Let's take a moment. I've got a little ways to go, but God is speaking to somebody here today. God is touching somebody's heart here today. Jonah finds himself thrown overboard with the help of the ship's crew. The Bible says that God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah up. His situation got worse. Even though he was running from God, God found a way to secure him and to protect him. And while he thought things had gotten worse, God was just preserving him. Woo, glory. The whale or the fish or whatever that species was, was not sent to kill Jonah, but to preserve him and get that backslidden state into a state of repentance. It got darker because God was trying to get his attention. It got lonelier. I'm in the Holy Ghost today because God was trying to get his attention. And for three days and three nights... Jonah sits in the belly of a fish. What's intriguing about Jonah's current state is that it took him three days and three nights until he prayed. If you read that, it says in the previous scripture that, that, Jesus, or excuse me, that Jonah was swallowed by the fish. And then it says after three days and three nights, Jonah prayed. What do you think about that? causes me to wonder what it was that Jonah was going through that delayed his prayers. Can I tell you this morning that the spirit of fear and intimidation is real? And condemnation because of unresolved sin is real? But I want somebody to know this morning that you are just one prayer away from all of your sins being forgiven. You are just one moment away from God forever changing your life. So I declare that your darkness is not bigger than God. I want somebody to know today that your failures are not bigger than God. Your mistakes and shortcomings are not bigger than the call of God that he has on your life. Romans 8 and 30 says, Moreover, whom he had predestinated, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. That's why I've come here today to tell you that God is still with you. That God is still for you. That God is still on your side. And this is why Jesus said to pray for the laborers. He said to pray to the Lord of the harvest for the laborers. We need to pray for one another, church. We need to pray for the laborers. We need to encourage one another. Brother Frankie, you have no idea what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the mistakes that I've made in my life. Yeah, 
that might be that might be your story but I got good news today God has grace for that can I tell you that God has grace for that scripture says that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness he's faithful even when we're not faithful he's faithful and that means yesterday's sin that means the stuff that you and I don't even remember that we've done God is faithful to forgive you've come too late to tell me that God can't use you you've come too late to tell me that God doesn't want to use you I know that he wants to, that he will, and that it's because that he loves people that he is going to do whatever he needs to do in your heart. He's going to pick you up, turn you around, place your feet on solid ground, and give you something, give you a purpose so that you can be used in this kingdom. If you don't believe me, I'm closing here in a moment. But if you don't believe me, you can ask a man named Peter. Peter, disciple of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Peter denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. Even when you're forgiven, sometimes it's hard to let things go when you've done them. He didn't just do it once. He didn't just do it twice. He did it three times. He was going through it. And to make matters worse, Jesus told him that he was going to do it. Isn't that demoralizing? In your heart, you're like, man, I love God. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm full of purpose. And then pastor says, you're going to make a mistake, but you're going to be okay, buddy. No, I'm not. There's no way. I love God. Listen, buddy, you're going to make a mistake. Matter of fact, you're not going to make it once, twice. You're going to make it three times. Pastor, there's no way. And then you go to school or you go to work the next day and then you make mistakes. And you say, oh, my God, how did I get here? It's because when Jesus told Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you, <laughs> that he may sift you as wheat. But watch this. He said, but I've prayed for you. He didn't pray that Peter wouldn't fall and make a mistake. Hear me today, church, because it was inevitable. The righteous man falleth down seven times, but he gets back up. He didn't pray that Peter wouldn't fall or fail, but he prayed that his faith would fail not. Whatever you do, don't let your faith fail. Whatever you do, don't let your faith fail. Whatever you do, young person, don't let your faith fail. You might make a mistake, but you get back up again. You might fall, but you get back up again, and you come to an altar, and you pray and say, God, I'm sorry. It was this same Peter that denied Jesus three times, who everybody knew made a mistake. He was a part of the youth group. He came to youth convention. He went to youth camp. Everybody knew what he did. Everybody seen Peter fall. Everybody seen Peter fail. It was this same Peter that after he had been forgiven, on the day of Pentecost, after the Spirit of God had been poured out on the people. The Bible says, Brother Greg, that Peter, standing with the eleven, 
Somehow Peter got boldness. Somehow Peter got over his mistakes. Somehow Peter accepted his forgiveness of, from God. And he stood with his peers. He stood amongst his youth group after making a mistake. And he began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter, the man that denied Jesus. Peter, the man who everyone knew what he did on the day of Pentecost. Preached a message that turned the world upside down. I want you to stand. I want to read this scripture. But I want you to read it with me. I know you know this verse. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. It's this same message that is being preached today. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to read this with me loudly and boldly. Can you do it with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Then Peter. Repent. Stop right there. That's a promise. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But what I like is the next verse where the promise doesn't just end with you and me. <laughs> the promise just doesn't end with me, dear sister. Do you know who it continues with? For my children. <laughs> and for my children's children. And for you and your children, and for you and your children, and for the next generation, and for the next generation, for as many as the Lord our God shall call. That means this is for everybody. If you have come into this room today, and you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, want to ask you and give you an invitation to come to this altar today I want you to come in church as they come can you just begin to rejoice together come on if you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues I want you to come today I want you to come today and I want those that want to answer the call of God that didn't answer it this earlier this week I want you to come also and I want those that want to ask God that God help me Lord in the middle of my ministry help me to be a laborer I want you all to come can you come to this altar I want to open it up amen for the laborers come on laborers can you come everybody come can you come to the altar God is going to do something wonderful here and as we come I want you to stretch your hands toward the heavens whether you're, you're on your knees or whether you're standing and I want you to begin to pray and I want you to begin to surrender to the Lord and tell him Lord I'll be a laborer Lord I'll be what you want me to be I'll do what you want me to do why because the laborers are few and I want to be a part of the number that's it church that's it church yes yes that's it church that's it that's it that's it they're coming they're coming they're coming they're coming from every nation they're coming from every creed they're coming they're coming they're coming
Jonah obeys God and he goes to Nineveh. Here's the crux of the message. The scripture says that everybody in that city, after the king of that city got convicted and told them to take a fast, they all repented and they were all saved. I want you to hear this. The Bible says that six score thousand people were in that city. That means that there were over 120,000 people in a city so large it would take you three days to walk through it. This large city, once the laborer answered the call of God and began to preach, conviction struck the hearts of the people and they began to repent, they began to fast, and they began to pray, and the entire city was saved. They were ready. They were ready. They were ready. They just needed a laborer. They were ready. They just needed a laborer. And I'm looking at laborers here at this altar. I'm looking at folks that may not feel that you're not ready yet, but God is going to prepare your heart right now. He's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He's going to set you free. He's going to deliver you. He's going to take anxiety and depression. And he's going to take self-hurt and, and, and self-degradation from you right now. Won't you lift your hands and cry out to God? He's releasing you right now. He's pouring out his spirit. 